0: 1-25 For you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth, and while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sin, and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed. For you were continually straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. Good morning. It is a blessing and a privilege to be able to be with people of God this morning to be able to worship. We are so grateful for your presence and your interest in worshiping God and being uh, an encouragement to all of us here. We are so grateful for those who are visiting with us, especially this morning. We are thankful that you have come out and chosen to be with us to worship and to study from the Word of God. And we invite you to be taking out your Bibles and be uh, studying along with us this morning. We're going to be beginning here in 1 Peter chapter 2, which is the text that we just read in our reading where Peter tells us about Jesus as our example. And he tells us that he is the one that we should be following. We should be striving to emulate his example and how he. we should be following in his footsteps. Sometimes we might sing the song, Footprints of Jesus, and I think that Is a very apt song in which we should be trying to formulate our lives to be centered around Jesus. We should be striving to become more and more like Jesus in all of our behavior each and every day. And he tells us there in particular that Jesus went to the cross. He suffered and he he went through uh, brutal mockings and being reviled. And yet he did not utter any kind of threat in return he kept trusting god to deliver him and he says in verse 24 in first peter chapter 2 verse 24 and he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness that christ went to the cross to transform us he went to the cross so that we might change That's one of the purposes of why Jesus died, so that we would not only follow in His footsteps, but that we could be changed. And in that sense, we could describe Him as the author and the finisher of our faith. And one of the areas that Jesus exemplified and is for us to look to, that we need to emulate, I think is seen very specifically in How He Prayed. If we're honest with ourselves, we probably struggle with some of the spiritual disciplines like prayer and reading, study, meditation. Those are things that should be pretty basic to our life as a child of God. And yet it is something that we probably struggle with to at least practice regularly or as regularly as we ought to. Sometimes our prayers, we feel as if they are heard by God. If They get no higher than the ceiling. They don't go anywhere. And that God has turned a deaf ear to our prayers. And if you've ever felt that way, then I want you to particularly pay attention to the lesson this morning. Because the apostles, they learned how to, Pray, and they looked to Jesus as as their example. In the Gospel of Luke, in Luke chapter eleven, in Luke chapter eleven, as the apostles, they recognized the importance of prayer, and they were going to Jesus. and They asked him in Luke chapter eleven, and in verse one, it says, it "Happened that while Jesus was praying in a certain place, after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him." Lord, teach us to pray just as John also taught his disciples. And you see in that request that they wanted this desire there, this in, intense desire to learn how to pray. Maybe that's one of the struggles that we face is that we don't know how we should pray. We don't know how we need to approach God. And so we don't Pray as often as we should, but the apostles they saw Jesus praying, and they saw by his example, by his leading, and that his they saw by his skill and his discipline to pray. That's what we want to be like, and so they learned to pray like Jesus did and taught them. And he gave them a model prayer in verse 2. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. He gave them sort of a, the basics of what to pray for. And that's not what this lesson is going to really dive into while that would be a, a certainly a valid approach for us to take this initiated this request they saw Jesus praying and they said we want that and in the Gospel accounts, you read about Jesus praying. Now, it's easy to skim over. It's easy to, to ignore. It's easy to miss some of the texts that talk about Jesus praying. But I want us to look at some of those passages this morning. So that we can learn something about prayer and the importance and the significance of it in our lives. So we want to take the same request that they had We want to look to the example of Jesus. that we want to follow in His steps, just as Peter told us that we ought to. And so, what we first see is value in being alone. When it comes to prayer, there is value in being alone. And this is not to take away from public prayer. This is not to take away anything from what we might do in the collective group whenever we gather together to worship together as brothers and sisters in Christ, but this is more about prayer on the individual level this morning. And I want to see that Jesus found value in being alone whenever He prayed. In the Gospel of Matthew, in Matthew chapter 14, and i invite you to be turning your Bibles there, in Matthew chapter 14 and in verse 13, this was the occasion when Jesus fed the five thousand with just a few fish and a few loaves of bread and Jesus he fed five thousand men not counting the women and children a great miracle with those five loaves and two fish and afterwards you see that as he had just heard about John the Baptist who had been killed it says in verse 13 now when Jesus heard about John he withdrew from there in a boat a secluded place by himself and when the people heard of this, they followed Him on foot from the cities. Jesus was so popular in His teaching at this point in time that He was growing immensely popular. People were wanting to hear Him teach. They wanted to follow Him. They wanted to listen to Him. And Jesus, He wants to be alone. He had no time to be alone even to process the death of his cousin. He had no time to process this and to grieve and to be alone. You know, sometimes whenever we lose a friend or a loved one, you just need to go into a room and shut the door and be alone for a few moments. Jesus didn't have that opportunity here. People were pressing in upon Him. And so He fed the 5,000, a great multitude, a great crowd, a great miracle that He performed. But afterwards, Jesus sent the crowds away and says in verse 22, and can you imagine that for a moment, that Jesus sent people away from Him? <laughs> we don't, that's probably not what we oftentimes think about Jesus, That, but He sent people away. In verse 22, it tells us, immediately He made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of Him to the other side while He sent the crowds away. After He sent the crowds away, He went up on the mountain by Himself. And it was easy. He was there alone. And Jesus, He sent the crowds away and He went up on a mountain to pray. Luke adds something a little bit interesting for us to think about in Luke chapter 5. In Luke the 5th chapter and in verse 16, Luke adds a word that is... That I think helps add something to our understanding. While this word is not necessarily in the Greek text, I think it is something that you see throughout the ministry of Jesus, and I think that's why they add this word. It's the word often. It says in verse 16 of Luke chapter 5 But Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. That. Jesus desired to be alone, to pray. You think about going to the wilderness. That would be about the equivalent of being able to go to your own bedroom and shut the door and be in total seclusion for just a few moments to pray. That's what Jesus did. He went to where people were not going to follow Him. He went to where He could be alone and where He could spend Time, to God, and the fact that He would do so often, I think, implies that this was something that we should strive to do on a regular basis. That we need to make consistent habit in our life. And you think about Jesus and all the great work that He did. You think about the miracles he performed and teachings that He had. You would think that Jesus would want to be around people twenty-four-seven, wouldn't you? That he to be talking to people about the way of God and that he would want to be talking to people and preaching and teaching he would want to be healing them of all their miracles and all the or all their diseases he would want to be doing all these things Jesus would want to be work 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 that's what you would expect but what Jesus saw time and value in was the importance of work. Even in spiritual things for the Lord can cause us to become so busy and so focused on other things that we forget to take a moment and pause to be with our Creator. us and Him alone. Isn't that how life is? We get so caught up. In the busyness of life, We're caught up in the daily things that we have work to go to. We have to get ready. We have to cook meals. We have to take the kids to school. We have to take the kids to ball practice. We have to go to all these things. We have to do all these meetings. We have to do so many things in our calendar. Get so full that we forget to spend time with the most important person of all. It is God who created us. The God who saved us. And Jesus, He found those moments, those times, even though it might have been difficult, even though people were wanting to hear Him teach and preach, they wanted to see the signs and the miracles. He found the time to escape that. To be alone for a few moments, to spend time with his father in prayer. You think about what Jesus taught in Matthew chapter six, sermon on the mount. In Matthew chapter six, and in Matthew chapter six, and in verse five, Jesus he says, "When you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in." the synagogues, and on the street corners, so that they may be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Jesus, He saw the value in shutting the door, going to your room, going to your Closet going somewhere where there are no distractions, where setting aside and making this a distinction between all the rest of your life and the most important person, the, the source of your life. Jesus wanted us to see that distinction, and Jesus modeled prayer as a time for individuals to be alone with the Creator. And that, I believe, is why He tells us that we need to go and close our door and pray to our Father in secret. But then a second thing, not only did Jesus learn the value in being alone, He also saw the value in putting first things first. You know, we're told that... Ever done some reading on some of the most successful business people, CEOs, and of companies and things like that? That one of the things that they do to be so successful is that they get up really early in the morning, like four, four thirty, up, and they're getting busy. they start their day. And many of the things that those successful people do is that. They have said, and people have described it as they swallow the frog. Have you heard that phrase, that saying where they they get the most painful thing out of the way first? They prioritize their day and they do the thing that they just would not be able to get done later. They do that first. They put that at the very first part of their day. They swallow the frog. Even though they don't look forward to it, they will put it at the very beginning. To get the clutter out of the rest of their day. And with the example of Jesus, we certainly see him prioritizing things. It certainly seems that Jesus was a morning person, but he did not start with getting the clutter out of the way. He started with the most important thing that he could do. Notice in the Gospel of Mark, in Mark chapter 1, in Mark the first chapter, Mark records for us about Jesus and His prayer life. In Mark chapter 1 and in verse 35, it says, In the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went away to a secluded place and was praying there. Jesus didn't start with, I don't think that was swallowing the frog. I think He was prioritizing. What is the most important thing that I can do to start out my day? What is the most important thing that will help me throughout the rest of my day? Who do I need to put in my life? What do I need to be thinking about throughout the rest of my day? And so what did he did, he got up early in the morning while it was dark, and he went and he found a time to pray. You can probably look at me and that I don't like really working out. But Kyle makes me do it. It's Kyle's fault. Past couple months, we've been getting up at 5 o'clock to go work out. It's not a brag. It's a, uh, I don't know how he has made me do it. But what I came to realize is that that's the time that I need to get up and do it. Because if I don't do it at 5 a.m., I'm not going to do it at 5 p.m. Because everything else is going to get distracted. Or I'm going to find that I lose that time. And I need to go and do it then. Because that's an important thing for me to do to start out the rest of my day. I think that's what Jesus teaches us about prayer. That one of the most important things that you could do to start out your day is to go and spend a few moments alone with you and your God in prayer. You probably, especially if you're a parent, then you probably especially enjoy those moments early in the morning, maybe that you can get up. If you get up before those kids, get up running around the house to drink your coffee or your tea. And you can just spend time in the peace and the quiet. You probably enjoy those moments and relish in those moments, don't you? Do you spend time in prayer? What are the first things that end up consuming our day? Maybe it's we get on our phone immediately and check the latest text messages or emails that we've gotten from people. Or maybe we check the news on TV and to find out the latest news about the the most up-to-date foreign affairs or the most recent government shutdown or the impending shutdown, whatever doomsday kind of thing is going on in the government today. Or maybe we check the weather to know not only what is going to happen today, but what's going to happen on the weekend. We want to know those things, right? Do we spend time thinking about those things? Do we spend time focusing on our family, cooking breakfast, or planning meals in the mornings? Do we organize the schedule to get the kids off to school and off to practice and who to pick up who? And all of those things have to be done, no doubt. All of those are important things. But are we missing something important in our mornings, in our morning routines? Are we spending time like Jesus did in putting the first things first? Do we spend time with God first in the morning. Because those are all good things that we might have to do. It might be good to go work out at 5 a.m., but if we don't set aside time for God and spiritual activity at the very beginning of the day, then we are missing out on something that is going to affect us throughout the rest of the day. Because I would argue that if we don't think about God at the beginning of the day, then we're probably not going to have time to think about Him at the end of the day. and he's going to be just how how I am when when it comes to working out that it's going to he's going to get pushed off somewhere on the back burner. And Jesus shows us that we cannot afford to allow that to happen. Jesus shows us that we need to put first things first. Then finally this morning we see that Jesus shows us that we need to rely upon God in important decisions. Notice in the Gospel of Luke, in Luke chapter 6, in Luke chapter 6, Jesus is about to call the twelve apostles, the men that He was going to call to follow Him. And eventually take on his task to preach the gospel. And it was the night before he was going to call Peter, Andrew, James, John, Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew and Thomas. It's the time before that, the night that he was going to, before he was going to call these men. We're going to preach the Gospel to the house of Israel. And ultimately, be ambassadors to the whole world. To say that that was a monumental decision, a monumental point in Jesus' ministry in His life, that would be an understatement. But what does Jesus do? Before that, in Luke chapter 6 and in verse 12, notice what it tells us. Notice what Luke records for us. It was at that time that he went off to the mountain to pray and he spent the whole night in prayer to God. Have you ever had something, some major decision in your life that you had to think about that you knew you were going to have to make an important decision? Maybe there were, it was some kind of financial decision that you were being impressed to, to impress to change or to make a decision on, or work change that might have been affecting, you? or maybe it was marital issues, and you were up all night worried. Maybe it's about school or social issues. There are all sorts of decisions that we have to make in our life. And Jesus, we see that he did not make the decisions lightly, he spent time in prayer, and not just for a little bit of time, he spent the whole night in prayer. He spent the whole evening praying to God, focusing his mind and energy on godly things, evaluating decisions into what would be pleasing to God. Turn with me to the book of Philippians, in Philippians chapter 4. In Philippians, the fourth chapter. In Philippians chapter 4, we read in verses 6 and 7 Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. This passage, I think, is full of comfort. If you need a reason to pray, I think you find it here in verse 7. The peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard you and protect you in your mind. And that seems to be very much connected with the idea, and the notion of spending time with God in prayer. Be anxious for nothing, he says. Whatever those major decisions that you might be having to make, maybe it's about what are you going to go to this place and do this thing, or are you going to uh, go and associate yourself with these people? are you going to take this job? Or are you going to, to stay with this job? Or are you going to, uh, <clears throat> to resolve the conflict within your marriage with your spouse? Whatever the, is the cause of anxiety, there are situations that cause us to be anxious and they force us to realize That we need God's help, we need God's peace, we need His understanding to help us make the decision. We are faced with hard trials that come along with life. Do you spend time pouring out your heart and your mind and your thoughts to God? Prayer accesses the peace of God, which then provides protection for us. And while we may not get a direct answer from God, and that we have a dialogue or a conversation as if you and I were in the same room and able to talk face to face, prayer has a way of tuning us in to hear God's message more clearly. And be and to be watching more carefully for God's providential actions. Prayer has a way of like whenever you had to adjust those bunny ears on the, on the to make sure you get the picture just right. That's kind of what prayer is for us. Everything else might kind of come in causing a lot of interference. There might be a lot of noise in our life. But whenever we spend time with the Lord in prayer, it tunes us in to being able to see God at work. It helps us hear what God has said in His Word more clearly. And really the verse just before this I love because he says in verse 5, Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. And I, think, I don't think that's talking about Nearness of his coming and judgment, but that is talking about his nearness in our relationship with one another. I believe what Paul is doing is drawing from the Psalms in Psalm 145. In Psalm 145, you'll notice with there, in Psalm 145 and in verse 18, that it looks like Paul is nearly quoting this verse where he says in Psalm 145 and verse 18, the Lord is near to all who call upon Him. To all who call upon Him in truth. The Lord is with us. The Lord is near us. Prayer is a way that we can always trust in God. Even when we are being tempted, pray to God. When things are going wrong in your life, pray to God. When things are challenging and you feel like giving up, pray to God. When things are going well, when things are going successfully for you and your family and your friends and your relationships with others, pray to God. When things are going well at church, pray to God. When there are struggles with with your spiritual family, pray to God. The Lord is near. He wants Pray to Him, and then that's when He says the Lord is near. Then He follows that up with "Be anxious for nothing." Does while prayer is not going to remove the sorrow that might be in our life, it may not remove the challenge that we face. What we learn is that prayer is not always about solutions and the answers to questions and problems. It is about leaving those things up to God. I think that's incredibly important for us to understand. That's why prayer is an act of faith. Is that we are saying, God, we cannot do this alone. And we leave this to you to act and to work. We trust in You. And that this will be accomplished in your time. And what is the reward? What is the benefit? God gives us his peace, gives us a measure of comfort, knowing that he is involved in our life, and that he will give us protection and guardianship through the trials. Prayer is so critical. And even in the moments when Jesus had major decisions, He prayed. A great lesson there for us. And Jesus not only offers clear and precise teaching the importance of prayer, He teaches us how we need to pray. But... I think more importantly, He shows us how to pray. And if we want to live like Jesus lived, if we want to model our life to be more like our Savior's, then prayer needs to be a part of our life. It needs to be an important part of our life. Even when Jesus was being nailed to the cross, prayed in the greatest hour of trial, in the greatest pain, in the greatest affliction that He had ever endured. Even when He was being mocked, ridiculed, when people... His own close companions, the apostles, when they abandoned Him and left Him. Jesus still found time to pray when He uttered the words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Because Jesus... He came here with a mission. He came here to save souls. And He went to the cross and shed His blood so that you could have the hope of eternal life. You could come into contact with the blood of Jesus to have redemption. And if you would believe in Him as the Son of God. If you would confess Faith in Him. If you would repent and turn away from your sins. If you would be baptized and watered, you can have your sins washed away. Coming into contact with the blood of Christ, you can be added to the Lord's church. He's willing to save you. He's willing to forgive you. Jesus shows us that. He desires for all to come to Him. Perhaps it is this morning that you have never named the name of Christ and have never put Him on in baptism, and we would have no greater joy or pleasure than to become a Christian. By coming to the waters of baptism, coming in faith, will help you become a child of God today. But perhaps it is that you have made that choice in the past to become a Christian. And that you have fallen away. Maybe you've turned back to the world. And you've allowed sin and temptation to overcome your life, given your loyalty and allegiance to Satan and to the world and not to Christ. Will you not change and repent and come back to Him? Repent before it's eternally too late and pray that God will forgive you. We're here to help you and encourage you and do whatever we can to help you Make things right with the Lord. If we can help you this morning, would you come now as we stand and as we sing?